In the name of Jesus, amen. Uh, well, it's been eight months since I was uh, called and ordained and uh, in ministry, and so now I'm back to share all the awesome wisdom I have uh, to pour out on you guys. And I'm uh, mostly kidding, but not fully kidding, uh, because there are some just incredible things that I've learned, and, and this text really helped uh, pull that out for me uh, in anticipation of coming. And it actually comes from my ordination sermon, uh, the, the sermon the preaching pastor preached at my ordination. And he said like five or six things, and I remember two of them, so I know it was a really good message, and here's what they are. First, he said, uh, be faithful to your wife. And that's one of the first and, and uh, incredible things that have stuck with me as I hear some actually pretty horrible stories uh, of adultery and uh, uh, ministries that have been disqualified. Uh, that sticks with me big time. Be faithful to your wife. And then the last thing that he said, which at the time I thought was almost uh, uh, on the back burner, and it stayed there for a little bit, he said, uh, gather together a team to pray with you, to pray for you, and to pray alongside of you. Uh, gather that team and, and do that. And I thought, that's kind of a cool idea. And I wrote it down, and I didn't pay much attention to it because I was finally called to be a church-planting pastor, and this is what I wanted to do. This is why I came to seminary. I was pumped for that. Uh, at the church I was preaching at just last weekend, they did a demographic study, and within a three-mile radius were 15,000 people that did not know or would not confess Jesus as Lord. And we're not talking dense inner city here, we're talking sprawling suburbs. So just imagine the places that we're going to and the people and the opportunities that are there. It is incredible. It's crazy. And you know, after you are used through the Holy Spirit to bring people into faith, then you have to teach them scripture and doctrine, right? And you have to instill in them a passion for the mission for the rest of the 14,999 people who are around that radius. There's so much opportunity. And my agenda was full of ways to accomplish that. We had to develop a team. There had to be a core. We had to find out where we're going. We had to do studies ourselves so we could know what those magic numbers were. And along the way, I found that my agenda and uh, the people who I was working with, their agenda wouldn't always measure up. You see, where I wanted to kind of push ahead and get things going and get things moving, uh, they wanted me to be praying. Uh, Pastor, pray for me. Pray for my family. Pray for my relationships. Pray for my health. Pray for my mom's health. Pray for her mom's health. There's so much stuff to be praying for. And then uh, they're not just needy. They're actually just very gracious people. What can I be praying for you about? Uh, what do you need prayer for? And if we wouldn't talk about prayer, they were going to ask me. And maybe God has just really blessed me with a prayerful community, which I believe he has. But if I would not talk about prayer for long enough, I would start getting questions asked of me. Well, who are we praying for? What, what are you praying for? Uh, Pastor, will you pray for me? Prayer is, is a big deal to them, much more so than all of my agenda. And, and, and then when I do put forth my agenda, I realize we need to be praying about it. Uh, God, could you please bless uh, this meeting and the efforts that we have as we try and reach a kingdom in your name? 
and, and then we go out and we try some stuff, and, and we pray while we try it, and then we come back and we pray about the, the successes and the failures, and, and for the next steps, and we pray, and we pray, and we pray, and, and then I'm blessed to read through uh, Jesus and, and see how often he prayed, and, and sometimes be convicted by how often he prayed. And then to see what he prayed for. And I'm so grateful that John lets us into this prayer. And, and I don't know about you, if you ever read through Scripture and you're like, I, I don't know if I really knew this was in here before. And I had that moment. And, and I know I did, or maybe it just hit me in a different way this time. But, but wow, in this text, Jesus is praying for, for future believers. We're, we're not talking the disciples we're talking about the, the people that the disciples would be reaching. And, and not just them, but, but then the people after them too. He, he really believed that what he had and who he was was good news. That Jesus crucified for the sins of the world actually was good news. That his resurrection as Lord over all was good news. And that when his disciples talked about it, it was going to change people's lives. It was going to change people's eternity. He believed that, obviously, because he prayed for those people. And, and as a pastor, sometimes uh, you have to slow people down from slapping their name on a text, right? right? People want to apply it to themselves. They want to just say, what does this mean for me? Uh, how can I read myself? I'm like Peter. Like, you just see that stuff in there. But this is one text where, where we can just slap our names on freely because Jesus praying for future believers, guess what? Baptized Holy Spirit, Jesus as Lord confessing people, he was praying for you. Jesus was praying for you in this text. Which means the things that he prays for are that much more interesting because he's praying about me. And what did he pray for? He prayed for, for unity. And you can go down into that library and read through commentaries and see a whole bunch of people say a whole bunch of things about what that unity means, whether it's worship, whether it's doctrine, whether it's mission, whether it's hugs and friendship, but there's a whole lot of stuff right here that it does say, and that's that Jesus prayed for it and that he believed it would come from the Father through the Son. This was a unity that was accomplished through Christ alone, a unity in Christ. And then he prays that we would dwell in him and the Father. And it just recalls John 15 a couple chapters ago, remain in me. Be connected to me. I'm the vine, you're the branches. Be close to me. And he prays those two things so that the world would know that God sent Jesus. That our unity that our dwelling in Jesus so much so that he shines through us would show the world that Jesus is real, grace and truth is real. And, and notice it doesn't say that the world would accept Jesus, right? We're not causing people to face a decision, but we are confronting them with grace and truth because when they see us and they see our community, they can't help but see Jesus just like the Jews in the Gentiles in the first century did. And they were confronted with the reality that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is the Son of God. 
And they had to deal with that. And the Holy Spirit caused them to deal with that. And then we see Jesus' prayer answered as generations and generations of people proclaimed Jesus is Lord so that we can sit here right now and proclaim the same thing. But this prayer doesn't end there. It doesn't end with us. Because Jesus is praying for future generations who will be impacted by the gospel. And we, as people who have the gospel, how dare we think that that would end with us? And why not be praying for future generations? Why not be praying for the congregations we're going to and the gospel that we have that God would work mightily? And then, why not be praying for the people who will be reached through those people? If we really believe that the good news is good, why not be praying for that. And so I built a prayer team. <laughs> because I can't imagine a, a, a better way to get started than by following Jesus and, and praying for these things. Lord God, unite me with Christians in such a way that you shine through so that when people see me, they see you and your grace and your truth convicts and confronts them. Uh, that's my prayer for myself because that's Jesus' prayer for me. And then I have to pray the same things as I go out into a community. God, through the people you will reach through me, I pray that you will convict them in the same way and that through those people, others will see Jesus. Your name will be lifted high. And so my prayer for us as people who have the gospel is that you would be thinking about the people who God is going to connect you with and then the people who he's going to connect them with and that you would be praying for them even now because that's something that you can do while you're reading and while you're studying and while you're working. And it's something that Jesus did. And so I pray, Lord that Concordia Seminary and staff and students and faculty and, and people who walk by uh, would be united in you and that we would dwell in you so richly that when people see us, they see you. And I pray, God, that as we take that to the streets, people would see grace would see truth and could not help but see that you, Jesus, are Lord. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.